When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We just want to know where Kenny is, okay? What did you do with Kenny? Yeah, I know. I was all excited. Where'd I, you hide I, the body? No, I wasn't excited. He'll be back tomorrow, I think. Just his his, his, his corpse or what? What happened to him? A portion of, at least. <laughs> we get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Like right there, line drive deep to right, stay fair, hits the fair pole, see you later, two run homer. There's this one ripped into the gap, everybody runs, scoring is Cano, Hanniger right behind him, Seeger behind him, nice breakout, Ryan Healy, a three run double. Been hoping that you yeah. dropping. I think you and I should just do this. We could just do this a cappella, you and I, Chris Long. I'd have to warm up. <clears throat> Used to be, I know you get some karaoke uh, champion in you. Back in my heavier drinking days, yes. <laughs> um, I hate when people complain about the weather in general. Like, it's whatever. You live in Minnesota, and you're making that life choice to live in Minnesota. That falls, that, Don't care. that falls under your I hate small talk. Right. Or, uh, a little bit. But yeah. April 9th is where I draw the line. I agree. Like, when you woke up this morning, you look outside, and, and you can play this game any date the last 10 dates. All right, you just woke up from a coma. Guess the date as you look outside. Yeah. You'd whiff 150 <laughs> times until you picked right. April 9th. Feb 8. Yes. So Twins yesterday, they announced early in the morning, it was like 9 o'clock, maybe 9.30, somewhere in there, several hours before their 1 o'clock first pitch. Uh-uh, we looked at the radar. It's just gonna, We're, we're going to tap out of this thing. I think if you start to look back honestly as a Minnesota, either a Minnesota native or a Minnesota sports fan, we might be the biggest frauds in the top 25 major markets. Let's go through the list here just in the last, I don't know, let's just go like the last three to four months. Right. When um, the Twins look on the calendar and they've got cold home dates, you've got weather fronts coming in. Okay, let's brand it something. Cold air, don't care, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Cold a great one. Cold air, don't care. Opening week, it's going to be miserable, but we embrace the miserable here in Minnesota. Oh, God, Jose Barrios, number one starter, gets shelled in the cold weather on Saturday, and we cancel the game due to the possibility of snowfall, which didn't come until like 4.30, by the way. Right? Did anyone get snowfall? You're Roseville. Hey, I got flurries. You're... I mean, the game would have been fine. I was walking the dog at 3.15, and I saw about three snowflakes. Yeah. yeah. And it was warmer yesterday than Saturday because the wind wasn't quite as aggressive. Yes, it was much more comfortable. Right? Yes. Cold air, we actually do care. It should be the new slogan. <laughs> okay, let's go back to Super Bowl week. The Bold North. 
stocking caps, branded, everything branded. The bold north, right? We pretty much just live in igloos. We we shave with icicles. Like we <laughs> bold north, but our stadium is a comfortable 72 degrees inside, and we use skyways to maneuver around the city. We really don't go outside. And often. remember, nobody came downtown at all except for on Nicollet Mall. Like right. downtown restaurants, we made a big deal. Like people bringing in extra help because of the masses of Minnesotans are going to turn out to celebrate our Super Bowl. And nobody showed up yes. except for the people that wanted to go see the sled dogs run up Nicollet Mall. And even then, it was like any door you want to go into to warm up, you're welcome to. And it's going to be 80 degrees the minute you step inside. It was and- cold, though. <laughs> Right, but but it's my make. and then and then uh, it also should be should be noted that we've only played two outdoor professional football seasons since about 1980. Right. Uh, despite the fact that we are we embrace the cold, so I think Twins canceling a game yesterday. And by the way, like I don't really blame them for canceling it in a vacuum, but you can't brand yourself cold air don't care and then cancel that game yesterday. That, I'm sorry, that was the problem. We are frauds. That was the problem with beating that drum all last week leading up to the, the opener, which actually wasn't bad. The sun was out for the opener. It was fine. Yeah. But yeah, beating that drum, you know, oh, we're going to go out. We're going to love it. Except on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're just going to tap out actually. Well, right. God love Dave St. Peter for chirping at people on Twitter too. Yeah, he what was the, the bold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we co- used to call ourselves the bold North, right? By the way, Sunday's canceled. <laughs> oh yeah, well, we're not gonna. Talk. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's not quite as bold as maybe we thought. And by the way, I know this has been a big topic for like a week here, but Major League Baseball just butchering the scheduling. If you're gonna do cold weather games, if you're gonna start the season early and do cold weather games early, have them be division games that you can make up easily with doubleheaders. So the whole point of starting the season early was to give extra off days throughout the year. All right, we're going to give you a five-day head start, which means we'll sprinkle in five extra off days throughout the year so you don't have to have these like two- and three-week stretches where you you play every day for like 15 days. Well, now the Mariners and the Twins both have to play on May 14th, thus giving them no off days for like a three-week stretch in May. So it just completely cancels out the benefit that you were trying to provide to players and teams. Argument 4,226 for shortening the season. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Give a little wiggle room. Start it a little later. Just let's move forward with that plan. But if baseball, see, I think baseball, I agree. Like I, As a baseball purist even, like I, we get so caught up with statistics Numbers, though in baseball, right. right? That's the only reason it's not happening. Yeah. In the NFL, when when... When the NFL pitches for an 18-game schedule, they're trying to do the opposite, right? They're trying to expand the schedule. Right. The yeah, but to that is never, well, what about the statistics? Well, we're going to have records being broken every year. That's never part of the conversation. The conversation is about the players and the people and the salaries. In baseball, one of the first two arguments would be, well, what would happen to the home run record? What if somebody hits... I don't even know what the home run record is right now. It's 73, 73? with Bonds, yeah. I mean, some people 70? would say it's still 61 That's with why I don't. Yeah. I can't believe I don't know. I didn't know that, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. if somebody's sitting on 70 and we've shortened uh, 152 games, well, what are we going to do? Yes. Well, we're going to figure out an average is what we're going to do, you idiots. Right. It's So I, I'm kind of with you on that, but ultimately it's a huge buzzkill to start the season because baseball isn't meant to stop start like this no. like it's one, once you're in you're in and you expect a game to be happening every day and then again for some people I've seen some people saying like well this is why you should put a roof on the stadium I still wouldn't trade it no. like I would I'll take the May June July August September and if there's October I'll take the outside glorious weather that you get 85 to 90% of the time and uh, and this will all be gone in a couple weeks by the way I did hear your co-host's argument last week which was 
that he would trade I almost, two World I Series for drove, outdoor I was, baseball? I was off. I almost drove down here, kicked in the door, and beat him about the face and head. <laughs> Is that the reason he's not here today? <laughs> right, Actually, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, uh, for those who missed it last oh week, Judd God. said he would trade the 87 and 91 World Series championships for 30 years of outdoor baseball replacing the Metrodome. Which is absurd. Yeah, no. Ding, ding. Here's Zucker looking for Stahl. Fire scores! He wanted to pass that puck to Eric Stahl, but the passing lane was taken away. Zucker beats Jones, and it's 5-2 Minnesota. Second of the night for Zucker. Here's Eric Stahl with a chance for 42. He scores! And Stahl ties the franchise record with an empty net tally in the final half minute of the season. It's 6-3 Minnesota, and Stahl has matched Marion Gabrick. All right, your thoughts here. Uh, the series is set officially. Chris Long, seven-game series, four games for sure, and then we'll see what the Wild can do to, uh, to extend the series. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. The first two games are going to be in Winnipeg, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. And then Friday, uh, 6.30 start time. Back at the X on Sunday for Game 3, 6 o'clock. X for Game 4, uh, 7 o'clock on Tuesday. And then the 2B determines where they go back and forth for Games 5, 6, and 7. The week of April uh, 20th, 22nd, 25th. So. And the good thing there, early games. None of this, you're in the Western exactly. Conference, you're playing at 8.30, 9 o'clock. That's yes. nice. When you're playing Colorado at 8 o'clock right. or some of those St. Louis games. Right. Um, this is going to be a lot of narrative here. I want, to, I want to float this by you and see if there's if there's any truth to this. So Ryan Suter being out clearly makes the the team worse. Mm-hmm. I'm not arguing that. Like he's he's one of the three best players on the team, and and him not playing makes the team worse. But does it does it free them up to play? This is a lot of cliches and narratives here, but to play more carefree underdog hockey. Like because I, I almost feel like they've gone in. For five years, whether they're favorites or not, trying to validate the big contracts and the veteran rosters and the trades that were made at the deadline to boost the team, right? And there's this pressure that builds up year after year when you have your full allotment of suitors and koivus. And now Parisi was out for one of those playoff runs. But can they go in now thinking to themselves, well, I mean, our best defenseman's out, so and and the Jets are just a better team overall. So let's just let it loose. Let's let's not grip sticks tightly. That's a lot of narrative right there, but is there any truth to it? They can. I don't know that it'll matter. Yeah. Um, I mean, will it make their D as a unit, quote-unquote, step up? Maybe. Um, The problem is, I don't think casual fans, you know, NHL fans will know, and, and hardcore hockey fans will know, I don't think casual fans know how good Winnipeg is. This is a very good hockey team. Yeah. And the problem you're going to have in Winnipeg and there might not be any sport other than just the, having the first change, which is a strategic difference. But I don't know if there's another sport where home field advantage and home court advantage means more than in hockey. That town on Wednesday night is going to be electric. They haven't won a playoff series. Even when the before they moved, they hadn't won a first-round playoff series in years. They're yeah. saying, I read an article. I can't remember where I saw it. I should give due credit. But this might be Winnipeg's first-ever legitimate cup contender including Winnipeg Jets 1.0, and they know this. And that is a hockey mad, they are going to be absolutely on tilt. And if the Jets come out and unleash the offensive fury that they can, you know, if that's because Ryan Suter's not there a little bit, 
and punch the Wild in the mouth big time in games one and game two. This could be a very short series. Well, it's fair to say that this is, they've been back for what, five five or six seasons now? I think this might, That's whatever, they're six right. seasons. This is by far their best team since since going back to Winnipeg. And if you included that weird Atlanta Thrashers decade, like this is the best of <laughs> still, all of those teams, right? Best, yeah. so like of 20 years of Atlanta Thrashers and, and new Winnipeg Jets, it's by far their best team. Um, how much does playoff experience matter to you? Because the Wild, in terms of playoff games played, three times as many playoff games played compared to Winnipeg. I think that the, in the first round and the second round, it doesn't really play in that much. I think if you go deeper, it's it's players being used to playing effectively a 105-game season. Yeah. But I don't think in the first round that's going to matter. If anything else, I think being younger is going to help them. A guy like Patrick Laine is low mileage and isn't going to be as, as tired as, say, an Eric Stahl if you're talking top score against top score. Um, I don't think Stahl is going to slow down necessarily, uh, but... No, I think I'd rather have youth and experience in rounds one and maybe two. Give me a cup final, yeah, then I'll take a bunch of guys that have been there before. Yeah, I mean, like, in general, playoff experience in any sport is overrated. Just give me the best players and give me the best schemes and give me the best coaches. Um, Maybe there's something to it. I mean, for the Wild, learn from what you didn't do last year. I I do think there was a luck factor in that if you, whether you were crashing the net enough or not, if you fired that many shots at a goalie, and, and the shots on goal and the total action is swayed that much, you're not going to lose that series against the Blues in five games more than about three or four times out of 100. I thought that was just kind of a fluky result. Not that they wouldn't have lost the series in seven, well, but to lose the games that they did. But learn, if, if you think you didn't crash the net enough, learn from that last year. But, and again, not to give Wild fans PTSD from last year, Again, if you're only a casual hockey fan and don't watch a lot, I don't think you know that Winnipeg has one of the best maybe three or four goalies in the league. Connor Hellebuck has been a great story. I I saw an article, uh, it was NHL.com, polled a bunch of writers and asked them for their postseason award winners, and he finished third in their voting in the Vezina Trophy. Um, And by the way, if you win, you're probably going to see Pekka Rinne, who won that voting. So if you're worried about hot goalie syndrome, that's certainly in play once again i think more so than anybody thought it would be going into last series but like i said again you're gonna have to set that tone first game is going to be huge if if they can even if you lose five four at least you scored four yeah uh, yes that's i feel like historically that's been the thing that you in the wild has had some high scoring teams and bruce boudreau provides higher scoring uh teams than mike yo did but they're grinding to get to two goals in these playoff games. They're grinding to score two against the Jake Allen last year. They're grinding to score two or three against Corey Crawford and the Blackhawks. So can you get to four goals once in a while and and take some pressure off? So, again, game one is Wednesday night. Uh, the first two games are going to be in Winnipeg. 6 o'clock and 6.30 start times on Wednesday and Friday. And then Sunday, game three at the X, 6 o'clock. Tuesday is game four at 7 o'clock. And 7 o'clock is the latest start time, like you were saying. You're so used to staying up until 11.30 for some of these wild playoff games. And now you can uh, you can, you can can settle in at 6 or 6.30 right when you get home from work. And those so. of us who are in television can actually have content in our late news, which right. is a exactly. change from yeah. the last couple of years. <laughs> exactly. Chris Long hanging out with us from... Uh, Chris Long is hanging out with us. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Slurring my words right. on a Monday morning here. It's early. Just still drunk off WrestleMania last night. Which I watched on your behalf. Where did you watch? Uh, a, a dark room somewhere? On my laptop. Oh, I see. <laughs> per- uh, Periscope? No. 
You don't want to incriminate yourself. I don't, I don't want to encourage anybody else to. It's like seven hours. Like they start the pre-show and there's a bunch of matches in the pre-show. I didn't want. They need to pump the brakes. Yeah, seven hours is a little aggressive, and I'm all in on wrestling. We can we can talk. I'm, I knew it would come up. I wanted to be prepared, so I I spent much of my evening last night uh, foregoing family activities to watch wrestling. You saw Brock Lesnar take his elbows and just slice the forehead of his opponent last night. We'll talk about this yeah, later. We'll yeah. do this later. Um, let's see. Lindsay Whalen's going to join us a little early on this Monday at 9.30 today. We'll get Wetmore in here to talk about, I mean, I was hoping we could break down a lot of twin stuff, but like they barely played so far this year. Talk but, about other baseball teams. Yeah, well, Wetmore will be in at 11.30. Chris Long is here from 5 Eyewitness News, KSTP.com. All right, Timberwolves actually can clinch tonight. Let's talk about scenarios here the next two or three days and Jimmy Butler being back. We'll get to that when we come back. Uh, we are watching, as always, a 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV. And uh, we were talking about WrestleMania. The WWE Network is available through Roku, much like the other 4,000 streaming channels you can get with your built-in connected uh, TV. So these TCL Roku TVs, they're getting rave reviews, multiple top publications are calling it the best TV, the P-Series specifically, in the world right now. I mean, there's a reason why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand and the third-largest TV brand in the world, and aligning with some of the top entertainers and top arenas. Uh, Target Center has the TCL theater boxes. The Ellen DeGeneres Show is, uh, is wed to TCL TVs. So check them out. Any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities. And again, if you're not watching sports, like the Masters this weekend... The 4K picture quality and all the colors and uh, the competition, it's the best TV for watching sports. Go to TCLUSA.com to find out more or, again, any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. Lob underneath and throwing it down is Jimmy Butler. A well-run breaking transition. Just fighting the second half, coming back, playing you know, with a resolve. And I thought, you know, Jimmy set the tone for that. And uh, I thought Jeff Teague was terrific from start to finish. Uh, you know, Cat had a tough first half with the fouls, and then he got going in the second half. But it, you know, it was a good team win just to find a way to win. Coming off, you know, a tough game last night, back to back, late start, get in. Uh, it was very strong second half. I thought Wiggs played a great <laughs> second half. His defense was fantastic. I think Chris fell asleep during that Tom Thibodeau quote. It's good work. It's in pr- it works in print. Uh, looks great in print. It doesn't even. I mean, it looks okay in print. looks like, yeah, Wiggins had a great game, and we did what we wanted to do. But he says, Wiggins had a great game, and we did what we wanted to do. Yeah, I feel like the president, it's one thing if your coach is kind of a paint-dry guy, right? But if you're the organizational guy, you're the president of basketball operations, give me some... You know, give me some likability. Give me some enthusiasm. And, of course, we're coming off of Flip Saunders, obviously, for multiple years. So no one's going to be as gregarious, as as likable as gregarious, yeah. and as, as much of an empowering leader as Flip Saunders. But And the other yeah. side of the argument, but Pop. Well, but Pop's won NBA titles. Pop's also, <laughs> way, I think Pop connects with people Big time much different. better and differently behind the scenes than maybe he shows you in front of the camera for those those weird 15-second between quarter interviews on ESPN. And that's become a running, that's become a bit. And I'm okay with it. I'm yes. totally okay with and it. And he's open with it. He's... And the reporters are in on it. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they weren't for a while. For a while, they were just scared, and now it's right. like, okay, right. whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. He's going right. to bite everyone's head off. Um, so a couple things. Friday night, Jimmy Butler saved the Wolf season. 
If the Wolves lose that game on Friday night to, to Los Angeles, and by the way, they were losing. They were losing late second quarter, early third quarter. They went on a run in the third quarter, and they and they pulled away in the fourth. But if Jimmy Butler doesn't come back, I do think they lose that game. And if they had lost that game, then the results that take place on Saturday, where every team basically that you wanted to lose won their games, including uh, Houston and Golden State losing to teams that you're pushing to uh, to pass in the playoff standings. But, you know, I think, like, J- this team is so unlikable, but Jimmy Butler is, his presence, Taj Gibson said it the other night after the Lakers game, that Jimmy Butler's presence brings everything together. Uh, he, he puts an instant, he puts an instant defensive credibility into, uh, you know, the rotations on the court. It's a confidence boost. I feel like guys are walking and running differently. Like, they just look more confident when Jimmy Butler's on the court. So that's all great, but they're guaranteed nothing. The win against Los Angeles just sort of extended this this playoff cluster bleep out until the next 72 hours. Do you have your pen and paper and calculator ready? I'm good. I'm ready. Okay. So here's how it works tonight. If the Wolves win tonight against Memphis, and if the Nuggets lose to the Blazers tonight, and then somehow the Spurs factor in here too, if the Spurs beat the Kings, then the Wolves clinch. So they can clinch tonight. Oh, I didn't even know. Okay, all right. I don't know. Dave, do we know how the Spurs factor into this? Because to me it would seem that Nuggets and Wolves, not, and we might go into multiple tiebreakers, but... Who do the Spurs play in their finale? The Spurs play New Orleans in the finale, which is obviously two teams jockeying for the same playoffs. So spot. only one of them could win, which means... Like that. I think that's the reason that... I thought... The, this is like calculus. This is like calculus. I, I just, I just blew a fuse. Well, I, so, I think that's why. I think because they play New Orleans, they one of those two teams. Well, I'm looking at the standings. That doesn't make sense either. Well, let me lay, let me lay yeah. it out this way. Like, so, so forget about some of the, the maybe the more obscure things that can happen. If the Wolves, let's let's say the Wolves win tonight because they should. Like, they should beat Memphis and tonight. If, and if they lose, they, they don't have des- the first two times as well. If right. they lose, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Like, right. They should just pass. Yes. <laughs> So Denver, the, the Blazers on paper, I mean, the Blazers are better than Denver, but the Blazers have very little to play for here. They're trying to secure the third seed if they haven't already. Maybe they have. I'd have to look at the standings. But, like, the Blazers have a home court playoff series secured yes. in the first round. Denver is playing for its life tonight, and Denver's playing at home. So I think, I haven't seen who's favored in that game, but it would seem that Denver wins that game more often than they lose it tonight, which sets up if the Wolves also win Denver has to beat the Wolves to get in because Denver has to finish ahead of the Wolves. They have the same record right now. So if they both win tonight, same record going into their head-to-head matchup, they have to finish ahead of the Wolves to get in. The Wolves can very easily still miss the playoffs here, too. If they were to beat Memphis, lose to the Nuggets, um, Oklahoma City is a game up, San Antonio is a game up, New Orleans is a game up right now. They own tiebreakers over two of those teams because of conference record. They lost the head-to-head to San Antonio. So there's still some other ways where, like, New Orleans and Oklahoma City, or even San Antonio, if they lost to the Kings and New Orleans, could drop below the Wolves. Uh, but they're not out of the woods. Like just beating L.A., like, beating L.A. was important on Friday night, and, and even more important considering what happened on Saturday. But it's going to come down almost certainly to that Denver game if Denver beats the Blazers tonight. And if you look back, the, the games that turned everything were the most recent Memphis game and that Utah game. The, the Ricky Rubio blow-up game. Those are two games. If you look at Flip, and it's this is how tight the Western Conference is, they'd be fighting for a, maybe a three seed, at least a four seed, had they not choked away those two games. Yeah. So 
you get another you get a redo against Memphis and then potentially the one game play in uh Denver is a 5 point favorite tonight against Portland to answer your that's question. really interesting so i think that would be different if they were playing each other in like game 1 of a playoff series absolutely like i think Portland would absolutely be favored so i mean Damian Lillard's been injured here too so that might factor in you'd, you'd like to think that the wolves are going to focus on the job at hand and not scoreboard watch just take care of your business beat this team you're supposed to beat you know it, it Denver's going to come to town with full sails, even if they lose against Portland. They're, you know what they've done in the last two weeks. They've got a head of steam, and I don't know that the Wol- the Wolves are absolutely trying to be saved by the bell here. So here are some other uh, factors involved here. If the Wolves, and by the way, Doogie texts in, you want San Antonio to win so that you can avoid three way tie scenarios. Like three way tie scenarios uh, involve like combined record against the teams that are tied and then maybe it moves to a conference like the wolves hold most of the conference record tiebreakers because they've been really good against the western conference san antonio are a 14 point favorite tonight it's one of the largest yeah, they're NBA not, spreads i've ever seen they're not losing to sacramento no. sacramento's trying to lose san antonio's too well put together uh even without Kawhi leonard but here's the thing if you're just playing for the eight seed you're just a sacrificial lamb for four games so if you're let, let's ask you the question that we were answering for a couple days yesterday. If and you're not like emotionally connected to the Wolves, I am. Like I I definitely I, I, ride and die no, with No, don't of these get games. me wrong. Like one of the most fun things I covered in my entire career in Minnesota was the run to the Western Conference Finals. All right, so they're okay. And I have not forgotten. I remember what that was like despite so, the fact it was a lifetime ago. So if the choice is let's say it gets to uh the end of the season here and it's Denver and Minnesota. And the result of that game is one of two things and only two things. It's for the eight seed and only the eight seed, so that there's no way you could, via tiebreakers, win yeah. and jump to like the six seed. Right. Because obviously, if you can get to the six seed, or I don't even, I don't think you can get to the five seed. Maybe you can. You might be able to get to the five seed if you win both games. And there are some losses by the other teams. Um, yeah, you absolutely could. Yeah. Now, a, a four-five matchup or a matchup, a matchup with Utah or Portland. I'm all in. Like those are those are going to be fun. Maybe six, seven game playoff series. You could win those series. You're giving a soft landing here. You're saying you shouldn't be all in for a first round matchup with here's, Houston or Golden State. No, here's what I'm giving. I'm going to give you. I, I'm saying I'm in on those on those scenarios. Sure. But if it's miss the playoffs, keep draft pick, and maybe even reconsider who's coaching, or get in as the eight seed and get waxed in four games and embarrassed, beat by 15 plus points every game, that doesn't seem very appealing to me. And I don't want to hear like, well, playoff experience. Sorry, like, yeah, that's all right. I'll hear your argument. I mean, maybe it's short sighted. I would argue every day and twice on Sunday for make the playoffs and and do that and and reward yourselves as players, reward your fan base for fifteen years of whatever it's been. But <laughs> draft pick, you're not gonna have a high pick, um, but you'd have a pick. Um, the coaching situation is interesting. Uh, interesting to say the least. I say that in a Minnesota, very Minnesotan manner. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, interesting. I still would say it would soften the blow if they miss. The, well, okay, at least this and this. It wouldn't be. Here's another disaster season. At least it'd be well, we missed it again. I don't think there. But, the only ideal scenario is if you can get to the six or the five seed. To me, the only ideal of scenario. Course. Yeah. There are the the other scenarios, eight seed, even seven seed. We can talk more about that because I've heard a lot of people like, well, Golden State is no, don't be fooled. <laughs> yeah, Golden State's yeah. gonna flip a switch here in about a week and a half. 
uh, probably like a week. And I'll say this, at least watching Houston is a lot of fun, so if you get to watch four games of that, I guess. they're fun yeah. to watch. Let's let's talk to Lindsay Whalen about this when we come back here. We can talk some hoops, uh, get her thoughts on this. Chris Long is in for Judd. It's Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It'd be nice to see these two come together and uh, try to work something out here. Mackie and Judd. I mean, all we're getting is yelling from both, and it's the yelling and shouting doesn't accomplish anything. On 1500 ESPN. It's Monday morning at 10 a.m. Time for Lindsey Whalen. On Point. On Point. With Mackie and Judd. 9.30 this morning, though. 10 a.m. most Mondays. Big voice guy. Uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. We were all excited to roll out the new intro. We're like, oh, crap. It's, we had to change the time <laughs> today. But uh, Lindsey Whalen uh, hanging out with us. Judd's out today. So Chris Long from 5 Eyewitness News is in. And you can help us answer this question. We're looking ahead at the Wolves and all these scenarios. And uh, if, it, if it comes down to making the playoffs but as an eight seed only to be a sacrificial lamb against <laughs> one of the great teams in the last 10 years of the NBA, Houston, is there a valuable playoff experience to be had when you're just overmatched? Does that, like, what's the value of playoff experience, even if you get smoked in four games? Um, I think it's, I think it's still definitely, um, it's some, something that uh, I think you can lean on in the years forward. I mean, hopefully um, they can still get, I think, as high as a six seed. So yeah. then you wouldn't have to play. Houston or Golden State, but hey, just at this point, you know, through the year injury to Jimmy, um, I think just get in, get in and get that experience, and then you you have a lot you can lean on, um, just from that atmosphere, that intensity, and just go out there and play and play hard. So I definitely think that there's um, a lot to be said for for getting in, for making it to the franchise for the first time in 14 years, and then hey, giving it your best shot and, and going out there and. Um, and just experiencing what that's like. We've seen it with a lot of teams. Um, you know, you guys have that first taste of playoff experience, and then it's something that's to build on, and you understand that intensity. So um, it should be a fun one tonight um, against Memphis for sure. It's, um, you know, these last two, it comes down to it, so it's kind of what you want. Obviously, you'd like to have it clinched earlier, but as a fan, it's kind of cool to have some games that you have to win, and it makes for exciting basketball for sure uh jimmy butler came back on friday night too and i don't love the fact Lindsay, that it seems this team is so reliant upon jimmy to be confident like when he's gone they lose their confidence they lose whatever you know shred of defense that they played and you put him back in on friday and everything kind of comes together and and that's awesome i i wish for their sake that they were a little bit more cohesive when he's not there like some other teams I mean Boston can lose star players and they're still confident and they still they can beat anyone in the league San Antonio is the same way but um you know like from that standpoint how would you characterize Jimmy's value to this team yeah you I mean you saw like we said the other night in LA where he was able to really just uh kind of get, it, it puts everybody back in their comfortable position and so it puts everybody back to where they're built on all year and, and of course you'd you'd like to just build a pickup and just say next man up and keep going. But, I mean, the reality is when you have um, a player as, as important as him to a team as far as leadership and his defensive um, abilities, it's, um, I don't know, they've, they've really, um, you know, they, they've been able to, um, you know, stay about 500 without Jimmy. And so, uh, but he's that piece, you know, when this LeBron would go down or, you know, I don't wish injuries on anybody, but you look at some of these other teams that have had, um, some injuries, they, you know, they've kind of, you know, the Knicks, they, after Przingis, I feel like they were playing pretty decently. And then after he went down, it was, you know, season was over for them. 
So I don't know. It's, it's interesting because basketball, it's, there's five guys on the court and one guy can have such an impact that it just happens and you wish that it could just be, you know, next man up, but sometimes it's, it's hard. It's easier said than done. And Hey, at least they're in this spot, two games to go. You win both home games and you're in. That's what you always want is to just say, Hey, if we win our home games, we're in the playoffs. So as, as much as uh, you'd like to have beaten Memphis about a week ago or um, not played the way you did at home against Utah, you know, you're still in the spot and that's all you have is the next game. And so uh, I'm sure they'll go out there tonight and give their best effort and we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. Lindsay, this is Chris. We see us as basketball fans, what Jimmy Butler means on the court. And do we sometimes overrate those of us outside looking in, whether it's fans or media, the whole chemistry aspect, the fact that even when he's hurt, he's having fun and he's this spark plug and he sounds like he's this locker room leader. Do we overrate how much that can mean? Is it, I mean, obviously it's way more important what someone could do on the court, but when you have that teammate that, it sort of does that. Is that a big component to their value to the team, or do we as outside looking in maybe make a little too much of that? I mean, it's huge. I'll tell you from being in the locker room for now for like 20 years at, you know, Division Division One and on the WNBA, it's huge. I mean, that's one of the first things that, that Cheryl looks at when she's bringing in a free agent or bringing in a player is how are they in the locker room because so she doesn't want to disrupt the chemistry that we have, we've already built, the, the, you know, the kind of the core starting five. And so last year – I mean, Planet was huge. She came in. She was our first post off the bench. She hit big shots. But just in the locker room, she kind of kept the other younger post players in check, and she made sure that everybody was, you know, studying their playbooks on the second unit. And it was really fun having her as a teammate. And, and so this year, we'll look for that from, from Tanisha Wright and from Daniel Robinson coming in as vets. And it, it is it's huge. The locker room stuff is huge because it just, you know, once you lose that, out of the locker room, there's a void. There's definitely a void, and everybody kind of has to do a little more. And sometimes you can kind of make it happen for a couple of weeks, but over a month or six weeks or whatever, it, sometimes it can get draining on everybody. And so it's just good that everybody on the team is relatively healthy. And uh, but it is, it's huge. It's, it's. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it can be said enough how big chemistry players are and, and glue players on teams. I mean, it's really, um, it's essential to having a, a successful team and a successful season. Lindsey Whalen with us here. I'm Mackie and Judd. Chris Long in for Judd. Uh, what are your thoughts on Marlene Stallings reportedly interviewing with Texas Tech in the last few days, Lindsey? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I thought that the Gophers were super fun to watch this year. I thought that they're, you know, the way that they pushed the ball and, and I thought that defensively they, they took another step this year in the right direction. They, they still have room for improvement, but um, you know, I thought that they um, were able to get after people a little bit more, and that's why they were able to win some games. And, of course, they, you know, outscored people and had great shooters. But, um, you know, I thought that they did a great job. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with um, with that and um, see what, she, uh, I guess, she ends up deciding to do. Is Texas Tech, uh, this is an ignorant question, but is that, would that be a better job? What would be the appeal just in general from what you know about Texas Tech as, as a women's basketball program? Um, I remember Texas Tech was where Cheryl Keeps played. And so they were, a pow- you know, definitely a power. They've been a powerhouse in the past. And um, I just remember watching Cheryl Keeps. She had, I think, like 48 points in an African championship game. So that's always what I associate to. Gia Perkins, who played in our team last year, she was there with Marsha Sharp, who was a, a longtime coach there. Um, great coach. I know they went to Final Fours and 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if they won that national championship. I can't remember if they did. I think they, I think Cheryl Hoops played Katie Smith's team back in the day. So, um, you know, forgive me for not knowing who won that championship, but I feel like it was a classic game. So there's definitely a rich history. There's a, you know, uh, anytime you have one of the, you know, five best players of all time in Cheryl Hoops playing on that team and, and kind of, you know, going to final four of the championship game, just a rich history. And um, so, yeah, there's definitely been some, some really good teams that have gone through there. I've probably had like five or 10 people. This is an unfair question that I'm not going to ask you, but people asking, well, would Lindsay ever coach the Gophers? That job is not open right now. That's not a fair question to ask you, but just would you ever coach? Like does coaching pique your interest? Would you ever want to be a head coach at any level at some point when you're done playing? I mean, yeah, I, I, at times I'm like, yeah, I think that would be, uh, you know, I think I would be, you know, okay at it just because I've played for all pretty much the best coaches right now in the women's game. Um, so I feel like I've learned a lot. And um, as a point guard, you're an extension of coach on the floor. Um, but, you know, I had a lot of fun broadcasting this year, doing some games and seeing the media side of things. So um, I would think, you know, probably, you know, coaching or broadcasting would be something that's, um, you know, interesting to me and something that I would, you know, look into when I'm done playing, uh, whenever that is. And, um, yeah, we'll just go from there. And, um, I mean, coaching I know is, is a lot of work. I mean, those coaches put in a ton of work. So, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for all coaches and for everybody who, you know, dedicates that much time to, you know, the team and, um, the players on the team and making sure they're in their best possible uh, situations on the floor. It's definitely a, definitely a tough job. Um, but yeah, like I, and like I said, I don't know. We'll just, We'll see what happens when I'm when I'm done playing. How frustrated would you get being in the coaching situation where we've seen you over the years where something will go not the way it's supposed to on the court, and yeah. you see what was supposed to happen, and for whatever reason it didn't. How much would that be magnified as a coach? At least as a point guard, you got the ball in your hand. I could see, I, I could see some frustration showing there from uh, Coach Whalen. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, when, right now when I'm playing, I, I just can have, an, like, an immediate impact on the game. And so I know if something's not going well or I feel like we need somebody to take it to the basket, I can go do that. I can physically make that decision and go do it. Um, you know, but then again, you're, you know, there's a lot of, you know, good parts of coaching. You're part of the team and you're still, I mean, uh, you know, whatever role that would be, you're still involved in, in helping players out. And then, you know, you don't have to do all the conditioning sprints after practice. So that would be one. Plus. But yeah, I mean, I guess you have to really strategically like coach, like uh, Cheryl, you know, she knows, okay, this isn't going well with you to this. So it becomes, you know, more of a, you know, chess team for the coaches and, and making adjustments and all of that type of stuff um, from coaches. So that's where they get, you know, that's where they, you know, are, are the good ones are really good because they can make that impact on the game even though they're physically not out there playing. They can put their players in the right position. So that's why I said I have tremendous respect for all coaches because, um, hey, it's, um, you know, to be able to do that and have that, that preparation and, and having your team in the right spots is really, um, is really, is really tough. And you know, a lot of really good players, a lot of really good coaches out there make it look easy, but it's um, a lot of work goes into it. Yeah. Hey, how much are you able to keep in touch with your teammates with the time changes and they're, they're scattered all over the world and, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's varying levels of, of access depending on where they are and what they're doing. How much are you able to keep in touch with, with them over the course of the, the, the winter season? Yeah, we all kind of just let each other go to our winter season and kind of we always around here call it like our other lives because it's like we're here for five or six months and it's just every day and intense and practices and road trips and you're just together all the time and then for the other half of the year it's like you you don't see your teammates because they're in Europe playing or they're at home 
Um, but yeah, you check in and you make sure everybody's doing well. Um, you know, texting and, and FaceTime have become really great tools. And so, um, yeah, you can, you know, you can keep in touch and get a hold of people, you know, fairly easily. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, just all that is, you know, still played in China. So, um, just kind of keep up with their stats, Mize and Russia. So, um, yeah, you try to keep up and make sure people are doing well, but, then you pretty much just see when they get back to camp and then it's just like you pick up like you never left. And so that's kind of the, the beauty of what we do. And everybody, you know, gets to go home for a while and see their family. And like we say, live that other life and then come back here. And it's, then it's lunchtime. Phil, it sounds like college. You have your friends do yeah. it for nine months and you go home while you were in. Yeah. I went like left and went I back stayed, home. And, I stayed home and just played online poker in, yeah, a, like in you an don't empty apartment. See, don't see people for three months and all yeah. of a sudden, hey, September. It is. Hey, <laughs> Lindsay, I think I think most people uh, know that your your husband, Ben, is a back-to-back. He's a great golfer, back-to-back Minnesota mm-hmm. State Open champ. Do you like? Do you get into watching golf? Do you, do you sit down and watch the Masters Does or does that not is that bore you to death you to watch, watch golf all day? I do. <laughs> I don't know if I could watch all day, but I definitely like watching the Masters. That's one of my favorite ones to watch. So I was watching yesterday and keeping track. And I'm like everybody else. Like, I want Tiger to be involved on the last day. And hopefully, whatever, you know, the U.S. Open or whichever is next, that he'll be there. So, um, but yeah, I'll watch the majors. Like, the other tournaments I'm not really as interested in, but um, he's watching Golf Channel all the time. So I can't help but know, like, who's playing well and who's been good because. The channel is usually, when I turn it on, when I get home, it's usually on Golf Channel. So you kind of, <laughs> if I don't know right away to turn it, all of a sudden they'll be talking, you know, some interview from last week. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to change this to, you know, Netflix or something like that. But, um, yeah, he's obviously super into it. And he's really tired of this weather. Ready, He's ready to get out there and, and get golfing, as everybody is. So hopefully... Hopefully things start to really warm up here. Yeah, I it's think it's been brutal for everybody this year. It's absurd. Yes, I think like the one the one thing, and I and you can relate as a as a longtime athlete too. I mean, the, what I'm fascinated most by when I watch the Masters or golf or what you know big tournaments, it's it's 100 percent on you okay. as an athlete. It's like mm-hmm. it's you and a ball. You know, basketball team sports. There might be other circumstances as someone that you're not guarding. Whatever. Well, and there's a defense. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's like yeah. just that whole aspect of somebody in front of millions of people on national TV melting down or triumphing, and it's all on you, mentally, physically, everything. Yeah, I know. It's, I was thinking about that yesterday, like when the last guy had to make that par putt just to win it, and what, it, yeah, what if he missed? It's like, yeah, there's so much pressure, and it's just on you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice because you never – since part of – what always when we lose and if you play bad, you always feel so bad because you let your teammates down. But then you have them to pick you up. So I mean, I don't know if you're golfing. I guess you let your caddy down. So it's one guy or one, <laughs> you know, woman or whatever. You let your it's titleist, like, your titleist regional manager down too. <laughs> yeah, your rep, your club rep, I guess, your gear rep, yeah. um, and then your family. So it's like, I guess I don't know. It's, it'd be interesting to do an individual sport because for me, like when I play terrible, I just feel bad because I feel like I let the coach down. I let the assistant coach. I let you know, you you let your friends down on the team, and so it's like, ah, you know, you kind of. But then you might also play really bad one day, but they play great, and you win. And then it's like, okay, that was cool because I didn't have to, you know, score. I had five turnovers, but we still won. So I don't know. It'd be such a mental game out there. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, that guy he won, and Speedhead just coming up, and Ricky Fowler to still be able to make that last spot. That was pretty impressive. And. Um, yeah, it was a fun day. I thought like it was fun, even though Tiger wasn't in it or Phil. It was still 
pretty fun to keep track of off and on yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Lindsay, great stuff. We'll catch up next week again. Yep, sounds great. Thanks, right, Lindsay. Lindsay Whalen. You can follow her, too, on Twitter. She's just uh, at Lindsay underscore 13 if you want to follow her. The last answer is why she is a world-class athlete. Yeah. When I don't play well, I feel bad because I let other people down. We well, you know what? Maybe Patrick Reed has the best strategy. If you just alienate your whole family, <laughs> there's fewer people to let down. <laughs> Great. Mackie and Judd now continue. No way. You can't just stroll up and be welcomed back by everyone. Hey, welcome back. On 1500 ESPN. Save the date. The fourth annual Town Ball Classic returns to Target Field Saturday, May 26th. This is presented by 1500 ESPN. And the Minnesota Twins, the day kicks off at 10 a.m. with Class C action. Class B takes a field at 1, then Class A at 4. All the games broadcast right here on 1500 ESPN. And of course, you can just head down to the ballpark. Tickets are just 10 bucks. They're good for the entire day. And the proceeds from the event benefit the Twins Community Fund. For more info in order to purchase your tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, Town Ball. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Uh, email here from Mark. I have some news for you, Phil. The Wolves are going to get smoked by anyone they face in the playoffs. LOL. <laughs> you might want to be a little objective about stuff. So I think they get smoked by the Warriors and the Rockets. I think they can win a series against anybody else in the West. With Jimmy Butler, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't bet a finger on it, but well, they could. Worth noting, too, that Utah is playing like one of the best teams, like one of the five best teams in the NBA since about well, so the middle of January. Denver's pretty good lately, too, all of a sudden. But Denver, defensively, is a lot more leaky. Utah, So Utah, I saw this over the weekend, and Ricky Rubio, bravo, seven years, or what is it, seven years now in the NBA, first playoff game will be next week for Ricky Rubio. And that's been a great, it's just a great collection for him. Quinn Snyder is a great coach. <clears throat> but since... <laughs> he is now... Sorry, oh, Missouri. A little guy. sensitivity here from my alma mater, but yeah, go ahead. I can't celebrate him at all, but go ahead. Well, because of Mizzou 15 years ago? He was more crooked than. Anyway, go ahead. Well, don't you have I to be. He wasn't a good coach. That's true. He was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time, <laughs> yeah. apparently. Sounds yeah. like you're biased. Hey, in the NBA, it's, the, the finances take care of themselves. Yeah, you're you right. Just what scheme, he has right? turned that team into over the course of the last seven months is, I, I even I can say that's impressive. But they are. So Utah is uh, the number one team defensively in terms of just net defensive rating since like the beginning of February or something. So it's like a two month stretch where they're just on lockdown mode. I still think with Jimmy Butler, you can beat them. You can beat them in a seven game series. Yeah. Um, I don't will, know if I not, would pick not, them. Not will, but, but to say like to Mark's to Mark's email, LOL. And by the way, who capitalizes the first L and then it's lazy. Like either go all caps or not on the LOL. Phone could have done that. Phone could have treated that as a word and auto cap the first letter. I'll give. I'll cut him slack. Okay. On that. Uh, but to say that like they're going to get smoked by anyone, I think they're going to get smoked by Houston. That's that's and they're going to get smoked by Golden State. I mean, I, I get that the Wolves have been a punching bag for a decade and a half, but. You know, they have turned a corner. Regardless of what happens over the next two days, they have turned a corner. They haven't played meaningful games at this point in the season since Kevin Garnett was on the roster. That's progress. I know it's not the progress that a Wolves fan would want. There are still growing pains. There are still big problems that they need to fix if they're going to be, I don't want to say title contender, but a you know have a chance at a deep playoff run. But this is progress. You have to say this year was at least a limited success, yeah. no matter what happens. I, I agree with that. I think the elephant in the room is the guy who runs your organization now, from front office to coaching, is Tom Thibodeau. 
is he holding back the rest of the roster? Like, because I look at this and I say, wait, so what? They have 45 wins. They're going to get to like 46. Because what are they? 45 and 35 right now, right? So they could get to 47 wins if they win their last two games. Which, if I'd have told you at the beginning of the season they're going to win 47, you said, oh, okay. We'll take it. But it just feels like almost any run of the mill NBA coach could take this collection and get them to 45, 46, 47 wins. So it might be. In a le- in a lesser way, because Mark Jackson was let go for Steve Kerr, and that was the difference between second round of playoffs and title. And that collection of talent is is, or, is on a different level. Or was it? Like you don't know. That's the thing. I think it was. I think so too. I don't think they. I don't think they turned into a dynasty with Mark Jackson. And I think there's a reason why Mark Jackson hasn't gotten another head coaching job. Is Tom Thibodeau on a different level? The Mark Jackson here, where okay, he definitely he definitely deserves some credit for them winning. And and for Tom Thibodeau, I think it's more just bringing in Jimmy Butler. I think Tom Thibodeau, the front office guy, actually deserves more credit than Tom Thibodeau, the coach. And I don't think it's close. Because Tom Thibodeau, the coach, I'd agree with that. has a bottom five defense for two years. That's the thing that he has has put in block letters at the top of his resume for 20 years now. So it's amazing. But Tom Thibodeau, the executive, just bringing in the talent that he brought in, has been more valuable than Tom Thibodeau, the coach, which I think if you were to take a Quinn Snyder or a Brad Stevens or, I mean, Greg Popovich is obvious, this team would be far, far more competitive and better even without Jimmy Butler. I think, I think, I think you're probably right on that. It's it's impossible to quantify, but I think you're right on that. And the, maybe the only way you find that out down the road is kind of the Mark Jackson test you just applied. Well, what happens next? If this doesn't work out and he moves on, yeah. does he land somewhere else? Because he was the name on everybody's list for a year after Chicago. And you just, you wonder if those problems weren't just isolated by that roster and that own, a lot. The ownership situation there got a lot of the heat. Well, because of the owner, this, that, and the other. Yeah, and I think like well, people looked and saw, oh, the Bulls are having success. Why would you let Tom Thibodeau go? You're having success, and and the Bulls front office did everything they could to sort of smear his name. But hey, I'm going to learn if I'm going to go on this quest for a year and learn, right. and it's kind of the same old. And you can kind of start to feel why Bulls fans and Bulls front office and executives and ownership got sick of it. We'll talk more Wolves later on. Chris Long's in for uh, for Judd today. Judd's back tomorrow. We were both glued to the Masters yesterday. You and I both came in with our little golf hats on today, all excited. And uh, I don't know, maybe you knew more about this than I did, but I didn't realize how hated Patrick Reed was and how interesting his story is. I'm a fan of Patrick Reed's, and I've had to defend that. Okay. And I can, it's, he is an interesting, he is a rarity in modern sport. Let's dive into it next.